Open your Bibles, if you would, please, with me to James. James. You can start in James chapter 1 if you want to. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We had a wonderful day yesterday. As you know, uh, Andrew and Kayla were married yesterday. But what you may not know, uh, probably most of you do, but you may not all know, is that, uh, is that there was a baby boy born yesterday. Amen. And uh, a, a Saunders or Sanders baby. We praise God for that. Our grandma and grandpa have come down. I was, I was congratulating Fred uh, when he was sitting there, and he said, on what? And I thought, that's because we're men. Amen. That's how that goes. Amen. Praise God. It is wonderful. Janice doing well. Baby's doing well. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. Uh, you know, yesterday also, um, Sebastian and Hannah Brown uh, purchased a house yesterday. And uh, we're just really grateful to see what God, I mean, this is, this, you know, I mean, I, we're getting old. I know we are. But these, these are our children. You know what I'm saying? This is, uh, it's remarkable watching our young people um, growing up and going on in the things of God and uh, how God continues to watch over our families and bless them. Uh, and is taking them into the next generation, and soon, uh, you know, we'll be watching some of you. For some of you, this is already true, but you'll be watching your your grandchildren being. We'll be watching our grandchildren being married and buying their own houses and having their own children and everything. And we just praise God for it. Thank we thank the Lord for the opportunity to be involved in these things. What I want you, what I want to do this morning is draw your attention. We're going to look at chapter three of Hebrew. Uh, excuse me, of James. But I want you to look at James chapter one first. So keep your keep your Bible open to James chapter one. And I want to draw your attention to a couple of verses, and then we'll pray. I want you to look at James chapter 1. We'll read verses uh, 1 and 2 and 3. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Father, help me. Oh, please help me. Lord, to be able to convey the things that you'd have us to see together this morning. Lord, as we were going over these things this week, uh, you so much caused my heart to rejoice and how great a deliverance and how great a salvation and how great a change you are making and want to make in our lives. And Father, I pray that by your power, this time that we spend in prayer right now is probably more important than the words that I will say, except for the words that come out of your Bible. So Lord, with your power, would you please cause each and every one of us to see what it is that you want to say. Lord, it does not matter what I would say. It really doesn't matter what I would say. But oh, how we need thy word. I thank you, Father, that you have indeed called pastors, that it, that it is your purpose that we would preach right now, that we would open the word of God. But Father, would you bless your people? Would you cause those who are not your people in this room, those who are estranged from you, those who may be playing, playing church, they might be religious, they might not be, but they're not saved. And Lord, if they're not, would you save them? 
Would you save them? Would you use your own Holy Spirit, your own Holy Word, and your own holy conviction to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish in our lives? We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'd like to do, I would like to just take a couple of moments together this morning. We're going to introduce the book of uh, uh, the uh, chapter 3 of, of James. But in introducing it, we're going to read it. We're going to read almost all of it. In fact, I think we are going to read all of it. It's not a very long chapter, and it does read um, somewhat easily because of the way, the way it's laid out for us. But what I want you to see is what God wants us to have in this. Now, before you can really enter into chapter 3, you have to recognize, and I'm going to say this again this morning. I'll say it probably most of the time. The book of James, in your Bible, the book of James is there to prove the reality of the promises that God has made in your life. Now, what I mean by this is there are many people who pretend religious things, but God is not interested in you pretending religious things. He is not interested in you having to pretend. Do you understand what I'm saying? It isn't that God is not impressed with your pretense. He's not impressed with your pretense. But that's not the most significant part. He's not interested in you having to pretend. Many, listen, hear me. Many of you arrived this morning and, be, and, and you want to be able to present your life in a certain way here this morning to those that you're around. But God doesn't want you to have to present your life at all. He wants to so change you and I that when we would be around each other, our lives would be full of genuine joy, genuine joy, that we would be able to literally be blessed by being in one another's presence, not because of a showing off attitude, but because our Lord is so wonderful in our lives and he has so changed us and conformed us to the image of Christ that that reality would shine in our faces as we would talk with one another, that there would be indeed this joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is what God wants. I, do not, I really do not understand why today, right now, all over America, all over the world on this Lord's Day, that there will be people who will assemble together and they they will feel the need to impress one another with their own human efforts when God is not willing that that should be the way we live. He really wants us to be able to assemble together and rejoice in how great he actually is and to be able to see that being lived out in one another's lives because of the change he himself makes. Now, if, if I want to draw your attention to the beginning of James chapter 1 again for a moment. In James chapter 1, verse 2, we don't have time to go back and look at all of this over again. But my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The very beginning of the book of James says this. When things change, they change. The things that used to be your friends, the sin that you were so comfortable with in the past you're not comfortable with it at all anymore. And so you find yourself continually living as a young Christian with great difficulty. Why do I say this? Why do I act like this? Why do I feel this way? I don't want to do this anymore. And there's this wrestling match going on. And God says, don't be afraid of this. Be glad that this has happened. Be glad that there's a change in your life. Because this, listen, is the beginning of the fact that I, God, am going to win all of these things in your life. I'm going to win them all. I'm going to win them all. You do not, if you're a miserable Christian today, it's your fault and my fault. It's certainly not God's fault. Because he didn't save you to make you miserable. 
He saved you because he loves you. And having freely given us his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? The problem is, the problem is we, listen, we want with our old heart. We want God to make changes in our lives, but we want it to be according to our mind instead of according to his mind. And listen, when you get over that, when you realize that there will be no joy in God giving you your way ever again, but that there will be tremendous joy in you entering into what God has for you, it will cause you to stop having to wrestle and fight about many of these things and just trust God to make the changes that he is able to make and he wants to make. It says this, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect, her perfecting work, that ye may be complete, perfect, and entire, wanting nothing. Now, we don't have time to go all the way through chapters 1 and 2 again, but what I want you to understand, if you go to the end of chapter 1, it says in verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So you can go to church, you can pretend all you want, but God is not fooled by this, and God says, don't you be fooled by it either. People that go to church and have a sense of great religion in their life, but are not able to bridle their own tongue, it's because their heart is not being changed the way God wants it to be changed. If you go to chapter 2, you find at the end of chapter at the end of chapter two that God, if you if the if the change that is being made in your life, verse twenty says this. But wilt thou? But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? God makes it very clear. If listen, hear me, please hear me. If there has been a change, a change that matters in your life, then it will be evident in your life, and you don't have to pretend. And you don't have to make it up. And you don't have to try in your strength. In fact, what you're going to realize is the longer you try in your own strength, the more heartache you're just going to sign up for. Because the good that you would, you won't. And the evil that you wouldn't, you will. But thank God that Jesus Christ came to save you from not just your sins, but from living like that. Because God wants you to be able to walk after the Spirit. And not after the flesh. He wants to make the change in our lives. And God wants us to be honest about these things. So as we enter into chapter 3. And we're going to read chapter 3. And we're not going to spend a great deal of time. Again we're really introducing this chapter this morning. But I think it's best, best understood. Chapter 3 is best understood. If you see it in its entirety. So let's go into chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. My brethren. Be not many masters. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great are driven and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So let's stop here for just a moment. This begins by pointing out, so we have the idea of a horse. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse or not. 
But a horse, I mean, what's interesting is you think of a horse as a really large animal. But unless you've ridden horses, you don't realize just how large they are. When people fall off a horse, you know, there's a threat of people. If you've ever worn a helmet that they wear when they're riding horses, it's, 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 it looks like a nice soft helmet, but it's not. It's like wearing a motorcycle helmet. And there's a reason. Because if you fall off a motorcycle, you fall a lot less distance to the ground than if you fall off a horse. If you fall off a horse, you fall from a distance far enough to literally fracture your skull and kill you simply from the fall to the ground. They're an enormous animal. And they're a mighty and powerful animal. And yet, by simply putting the bit in their mouth, you can steer a horse to go whatever direction that you'd like it to and whatever speed that you'd like it to if you know what you're doing when you ride a horse. If you don't know what you're doing when you ride a horse, you might want to find out before you try to do it. But if it has a bit in its mouth, you can control it. If you look at the size of a ship, an aircraft carrier, for example, if you look at the size of a ship, they're, they're, they are, these are enormous vessels. And yet if you saw the rudder, the helm, that they turn this with, you'd, you'd be amazed. You really, we can turn that ship with that little thing. And the answer is, well, on an aircraft carrier, not quickly. But you can make it go in any direction that you want to simply by turning the helm. Now listen, listen. And yet, and yet, this little thing that I'm using to make the, the sounds that I'm making, you can't control your tongue. And I can't control my tongue. It's an amazing truth. My entire body is defiled by the things that come out of my mouth. Do you realize that almost all of the hurt that I have ever caused anybody in my life, I have done so with my tongue? It starts, it says, my brethren, be not many masters. And it literally, and some of, somebody's going to be upset by this. It literally means everybody's not supposed to be a teacher. In the early church, just like in churches today, people wanted to run around and, and, and fix everybody's life. Now listen, by the way, let me say this. There are two ways you can do this. One, you can just be public and just talk loudly about, about everybody in front of everybody. Most people are, are smart enough not to do that. But the other thing you can do is you can do it quietly, one person at a time. It's called gossip. It's deadly. It's, it, it is the most, it is without a doubt, the most terrible thing that happens in a church. Gossip is the most terrible thing because what it demonstrates is cowardice, selfishness, and a willingness to hurt anybody that I want to. And there really is no recovering from it. There really isn't. You, a church can go on, but will not go on the same way as we would without gossip. And God set us all free. Boy, I tell you, if you had any, we're going to talk about it here in just a moment in the passage. If we had any idea how much damage is done by you leaning over and whispering such and such to so-and-so about somebody else. Oh, what terrible things have been done this way. It says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. You know, one of the things about doing what I'm doing right now, standing up here right now and saying, thus saith the Lord. God does, listen, God does not excuse me to stand up here and say whatever I want to say and it be wrong. He does not. He does not. He doesn't excuse you when you're teaching children. He doesn't excuse you when you're preaching at the Union Mission or at the Brig. Or, he does not excuse you and say, well, at least he's trying hard. He doesn't look at it that way. If you're going to say, this is what God would have you hear, it better be what God would have them to hear. 
It is a significant and important thing that we would present the word of God to others. And it is important that we recognize that it's not our word that matters. It's his word that matters. And doing so inaccurately or wrongly is a terrible thing. I mean, I'm not saying this. This is what says, my brethren, be not many masters. Don't all of you teach, knowing this, that we, those of us who must teach, shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a mature man, and is able also to bridle the whole body. If you could control your tongue, you could control everything else about your life. And then he talks about the horses and the ships. But it goes to, in verse 5, it says, even so the tongue is a little member. And it is. I don't know how much my tongue weighs, but it's not the largest percentage of my body weight. So your tongue is a very small part of your body, and yet we're going to read what it says about this. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of bird and of serpent and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made at the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. And then listen to this. My brethren... These things ought not so to be. And they're not, thank God, in our Lord Jesus. They're just not. Does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now this is what John read, starting in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show, listen to this, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. And listen to this, and lie not against the truth. If it's true of your, if it's true of you, that you have said and done things with your tongue that you should not, it says, don't glory in it and don't lie about it. Be honest about this. Because, the, listen, God is able to make every change in your life and in my life. He's able to make, that's the whole point of the book of James, right? God giving us a whole new quality of life in our everyday life. Is there any, anything that we need more deliverance from in our lives personally than our tongue? Anything. Can you think of anything? Now, there is one thing, by the way, because it's actually the source of what comes out of our mouth. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So it says, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But... The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Listen to this. Listen to this. You just listen to the order. First pure, 
then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, can you imagine? Hear me, please. By the way, for those of you that are visiting, if you're visiting with us, and you have been, what's the word? Offended or turned off by, by churches, I don't blame you. But here's why. Because churches are full of people who won't let the Holy Ghost control their tongue. Now, it's very clear, it says in verse 15, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Now you saw back in chapter 1 that every good gift and every perfect gift does descend from above. So everything that's good, listen, hear me, everything that is good in a local church, if there be anything good in that local church, it came from God. Everything that's wrong with that local church, well, it's our fault. It's our fault. But here's the good news, church. It doesn't have to be that way. Praise God, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to fail anymore. I don't have to fail anymore. Listen, I can't win either. But God, working in you, can win in your life. Because, listen, the same Holy Ghost that came into you when you were saved is able to control the tongue that you're not able to control. If you'll let him use it instead of you using it. Amen? You cannot control your tongue, but praise God, the Holy Ghost can. Now, let me say this about the tongue. The Holy Ghost is not ever going to um, steal control of your tongue. Never, never. The Holy Ghost is going to let you give him permission to use your tongue instead. The things that God, listen, please hear me, it's so important you understand this. God is able to do all good and glorious things in the life of a Christian. But you're going to have to daily deny yourself, take up your cross, which means know that you're dead, and follow him. You're going to have to volunteer. Lord, I don't want to speak anymore. I need you to speak instead. I've hurt enough people with the things that I say. I need you to change what comes out of my mouth by, by the way, changing what's in my heart. The promise, the promise of God is to give me not a new tongue, but a new heart. Turn with me, turn with me for just a moment, if you would, uh, to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I have good news and bad news. And they're both in the same verse. In fact, they're both the same words. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we're just going to look at a single verse. We're going to look at verse 45. Let's, let's uh, start in verse, um, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth the corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, neither of brambles, a bramble bush do they gather grapes. A good man 
Out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You might want to underline that. It's underlined in my Bible. It's got a sad face beside it, as a matter of fact. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now here's the really, 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 really bad news. The word abundance here literally means overflow. That's what it means. The word means overflow. So, I know you've heard this said. Uh, He's a sweet man. He just has a very harsh exterior. And the truth of the matter is, no, no. He's a jerk. And that's why he behaves himself that way. See, listen, I I really did not know this. I did not understand this. And I certainly didn't want this to be true until the Holy Ghost made it so very clear that this is what this passage is saying. See, when I raise my voice, when I, when I, I, have, I raise my voice when I'm happy. So you can imagine what it's like when I'm angry. When I raise my voice, when I lose my temper, when I get angry, this is, what, this, is, this is my thinking. Well, first of all, I was provoked. Because certainly I would never behave myself like that if you did not provoke me. And it's your fault for provoking me, right? And you may not feel that way, but that's how I feel. Second of all, this is not who I am. This is just how this specific instance must be dealt with. In reality, I'm a kind, forgiving, gracious, magnanimous, wonderful person. But that's not what the passage says. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the bad news. There's so much of you, of that in you, that that, there was no more room. And that had to come out. That's condemning. It's humbling. And it is life-changing if you'll lie not against the truth. When you gossip, it's because that's who you are. When you speak hurt to other people, it's because that's who you are. It's not who they are, it's who you are. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? And if you say, I don't think that that's true, well, how did Jesus respond to the same situation? How does Jesus respond to the same situation? And the answer is, out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Praise God. And that's the difference. Amen? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why does he say that? Because it's what's in his heart. Because that's literally the the overflow of the Lord Jesus' heart while they're killing him is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank God that's our God. Thank God that that's his heart attitude toward you and I. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because my heart's not like your heart. That's why. And see, the promise isn't that God is going to give us a new tongue. The promise is that God has given us a new heart. When the Holy Ghost came to indwell you and I, literally everything changed right then. You no longer have to be you anymore. And thank God for that, because we don't like you at all. Amen? I no longer have to be... Some of you aren't very excited about that. Some of you must like yourself a fair amount. I, you know, I understand how that feels. I really do. In me that is in my flesh there dwelleth... None. None. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So there is something that indwells you that is wonderful. It's just not you. It's the Holy Ghost which lives within you. 
And he has, listen, this is such a wonderful truth. He has the power to change what I say. He has the power to change what you say by giving us a whole new heart. So we can be conformed to the image of Christ. We can be renewed by the word of God being in us, dwelling in us richly. So now what would come out instead of me is, praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what can be changed in my life is the very thing that needs to be changed most. You want to help this world? Honestly, would you like to help the United States of America? I was thinking about this um, uh, this morning. Churches in America are really concerned about the upcoming election with good reason. And this is what we would say. America, listen, listen, this is what, this is what I hear it all the, literally all the time. America needs to go back to what she was. And this is the question, what was she? What was she? Now, I'm not arguing that there were great things in America that aren't in America now, but here's the point. If your heart is not full of love, what are we going back to? What are we going back to? Some form of religion? Do you understand? The world does not need some form of early Christian religion. It's not what it needs. What it needs is Christ. Do you understand that? Would you like the world to change? Then ask God to change your heart so it changes your tongue and it changes the way you live your life. That will help America. And by the way, it will change your life completely regardless of what happens in the rest of America. The area where you live, the place where you walk around, can be completely and totally changed just by the Holy Ghost changing you. Praise God. And I mean that with all of my heart. If, if the Christians in America would recognize, would lie not against the truth. If we would simply be honest with ourselves and say, the problem is right here. The problem is right here. Hillary Clinton is not the problem. Donald Trump is not the problem. I didn't say they weren't a problem. They are a problem. They are. Let's just be honest. But they're not the problem in my life. The problem in my life resides right here between my ribs. Do you understand? The problem in your life resides in the exact same place. That's our problem. And the solution, the solution is to lie not against the truth, but to be honest and say, this is not the whole new life the whole new quality of life that you're wanting to make in my life. And Lord, I need you to make that whole new quality of life in my life. That's what I need. That's what I need. Above all things, that's what I need. And, and, I'm, and I, I have to say with, with, with tremendous uh, anticipation, I, I, see, I see it happening in many lives. I, I'm watching as so many people are beginning to be really honest with God about the change that needs to take place in their own hearts and lives. And recognizing not only, it's not just desperate, it is desperate, it's desperate, it really has to happen, but I believe he's able to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are many of you are beginning to recognize not only must this happen, it can happen. I'm not great enough to do it. We're not great enough to do it. But God is great enough to do it. And there are many of you who are by faith, those of you who lack wisdom, are asking God, nothing wavering. I know you can do this, God. I know you can do this. I can watch you win in my heart. And by the way, other people get to see the fruit of that in your lives. Now go back, go back if you would, and we'll close for this morning. Go back to the end of chapter 3 of James. And let's see if this can't be our prayer together this morning. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. What a, wonderful, what a wonderful conclusion to the trouble with our hearts. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Let's go up just a verse before it. 
okay? Here's a real problem. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work in the local church comes from envy and strife. Every evil work comes from envy and strife. But the wisdom, praise God, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This is what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Now, let's be honest. That's the church I want to go to. Yes? That's the church, really. I mean, that's the church I want to go to. That's the church I want us all to go to. That's the church, by the way, here's the good news. That's the church Jesus wants you to go to. That's the church Jesus wants us to be. I mean, I don't, I, is, that, is that encouraging to anybody? Anybody at all? Because I'm telling you, it's greatly encouraging to me. The, the change that needs to happen in our lives, the change that is happening in our lives, he is the author and the finisher of this. He which hath begun a good work, praise God, he shall perform it. We simply have to, now again, I want you to look at this one thing. I want you to look at this one thing. I, I didn't finish turning back all the way yet, so give me a second. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. And the word glory here means brag, to boast. So if, if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, don't brag about it. God knows why would we. But notice the second part, and lie not against the truth. So what is the passage saying? If you have, if you have envy, if you have strife, be honest. Because the only hope that you have of this being changed in your life is to confess that it's true. Again, the whole wonderful truth about the book of James is this. Don't pretend when you pray. Don't pretend. Either believe him or don't ask him. One or the other. Don't pretend. Don't have vain religion. Pure religion and undefiled is to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. That's what God says. Don't, you don't have to Play prayer. You don't have to play church. And please don't play good person because it hurts everybody. The wonderful truth is the Lord wants to change our everyday life, literally conform us to the image of Christ so that as we walk around, when something terrible happens, instead of having to think about how to respond, the Holy Ghost would simply respond in your life. Because instead of walking after the flesh, you were walking after the spirit. Instead of being full of your mindset, your way of thinking, or the television's way of thinking, or the radio's way of thinking, you were full of the word of God in your heart and mind. And so listen, so you didn't have to pretend religious sayings. Well, let me say something pious now. That'll help everybody. You won't have to. What'll flow out of your heart will be that which your heart is full of. And so when you're bumped, instead of you coming out, Christ would come out instead. This is the promise of God. I want you to see this. I really want you to see this. Go to verse, verse 14 because I really believe that this is the key to victory in our lives, in our everyday life, and that is this. If this is true, stop bragging about it and be honest about it. And God will change everything. He will change everything. Notice that it says this, and the, and the fruit of righteousness, verse 18, is sown in peace of them that make peace. 
this is your desire, if this is your desire, and you'll be honest about what's going on in your life, God will give you the victory that, that he wants for you to have. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word.